the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. This is your Monday School for Financial Winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Welcome to a crisp winter day in Northeast Ohio. Ooh, it's January after all, and we should expect it to be cold, but it would be great if the sun would shine through the clouds more often. On Thursday, I read that since Thanksgiving, we've had only five sunny days. Five sunny days out of 39 days. So yesterday, when the sun shone brightly, I couldn't believe it. How wonderful. Then I opened the door and realized how cold it still was. Oh, well, I was still happy for a sunny day. We still have the memories of Christmas, and we can keep the memories alive by appreciating our families and our close, close friends even more. And we have our New Year's resolutions. Whatever they are, exercise more, lose weight, keep in touch, all sorts of other good things. All good plans. Let's see if we can at least try to do our best and keep them this year. It would be good for us, after all, they are our resolutions. Now that the holidays are over, we have to pay attention to all those things that the holidays distracted us from. This is so cold outside, we can concentrate on all our indoor tasks, such as finishing jobs around the house that we've always meant to get to, uh, painting here or there, uh, cleaning closets or garages or basements, uh, planning for the big projects or the vacations, that uh, things that we, that we want to do when the weather is milder again. And while we're indoors, we can keep track of what's happening in the economy and what that means for our investments. In addition, uh, 
this was mostly a down week for U.S. equities with the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Standard and Poor 500, and the NASDAQ Composite, all down for the week. Thus, the nine consecutive week rally of the three major stock indices ended uh, 12-29-2023, the last trading day of 2023, which we all knew was going to happen sooner or later. It was good while it lasted, and it helped consumers and investors get out of the gloomy mood that was 2023. In 2023, consumers really felt the economic hardship of the 20% surge in prices, you know, for all the products that we buy for food and gas and diapers uh, to housing costs. That package of goods and services that the U.S. Department of Labor says that we, as a consumer, use each month has gone up in price, uh, let's say 7% in 2021, a little over 7% in 2022, and about 4% in 2023. So basically, over the three-year period, prices have gone up approximately 20%. And while inflation is decreased, is and while inflation is decreasing, it is not negligible yet. It started really uh, decreasing noticeably in September. Uh, well, September, October, November, December of last of last year, and we all know that prices never go down. And so we also know that we didn't get any twenty percent raises over that three-year period. In addition, there's also other reasons for feeling gloomy. You know, the federal debt is $34 trillion and increasing each year of approximately $2 trillion as the federal government spends $6.6 trillion per year and takes in about $4.7 trillion in taxes. That includes just about all the taxes, income taxes, both personal and corporate, payroll taxes for the Social Security and the Medicare, excise taxes, and even tariffs. And uh, our political system seems incapable of addressing uh, this and many other problems. Uh, another uh, reason is the migrant crisis is impacting both the southern border as well as our major cities. And we're also having our share of weather calamities as Global temperatures continue to rise with forest fires and droughts and hurricanes. And then to meet the recent mayhem in Israel and Gaza due to uh, Hamas's terrorist attacks and the still unfolding strate- uh, tragedy of Ukraine. Together with all these, together with cable and social media drumming out a relentless stream of negative and frightening footage of all of this to uh, portray a, basically a world and a country in crisis. But there's good news, too, and that should continue into 2024. The biggest uh, news is that inflation is coming down. If we take a look at the Federal Reserve's uh, primary method of tracking inflation, that's the personal consumption expenditure price index. Uh, In October, it was uh, uh, the one year uh, all item uh, was Uh, 3.0% for a 12-month period. And then in November, uh, which is the latest information we have, it went down to 2.6%. So each month, the personal consumption expenditure shows that inflation is moving down. And uh, uh, and another big item in, uh, uh, in uh, 2023, 2024, is there hasn't been a recession. You remember when the interest rates increases, uh, 
they started in 2022, and, and uh, the battle cry then was this is going to cause a recession. And so both the stocks uh, stocks went down and the bonds went down. In fact, economic growth actually accelerated last year, where the real GDP growth rose 2.7% year over year in the fourth quarter. And uh, other good news is that the labor market is still strong with the latest uh, payroll increase of uh, 216,000 jobs in December and the unemployment at 3.7% and the the addition of a very healthy 2.7 million payroll jobs during 2023. And we'll talk about the uh, payroll situation later in the show. Uh, Now with the downward trajectory of inflation, there's expectations that the uh, Federal Reserve would begin to lower the interest rates, but the Federal Reserve hasn't committed to any cuts yet. And there's a there was a, an indicator from their dot plot uh, that uh, there could be two or three one quarter percent cuts in 2024, but nothing as far as the the uh, FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee meeting minutes of December 12th or 13th that defines an amount or a, or a schedule uh, for cuts. And uh, although that doesn't stop investors from guessing, uh, <clears throat> the investors are guessing about <laughs> twice the amount of cuts that they uh, they think that the Federal Reserve is talking about, the investors are talking about uh, uh, guessing at uh, maybe four or five cuts of one quarter percent uh, starting sometime between uh, March and June. But that's that's uh, strictly, uh, you know, everybody's best guess as to what's going to happen. So looking ahead, uh, there's a lot of unknowns. The uh, inflation trajectory, uh, so far, it's been very good. Uh, will it continue uh, the way it's going in 2024? That's a question. The impact of uh, previous interest rate increases, that's an unknown, because remember, there's a time lag between when the Federal Reserve acts and when the economy responds to it. So even though we are, the Federal Reserve is not increasing <clears throat> the interest rates uh, in the, for the last several meetings, for the last three meetings, that doesn't mean that uh, the effect of those uh, interest rates uh, increases preceding that have been felt in full force yet. So also actions by the Federal Reserve in cutting interest rates, questions about when, uh, how much. And of course, there's the election day, election year turmoil. You know, we'll have a a presidential election this year. So what is that going to do to the uh, markets? And uh, so many companies uh, have made uh, their predictions on how all of this is going to uh, play out over the coming year. Basically, the one that makes the most sense to me is the economy will continue to slow down. Uh, that's because of the uh, increase in the uh, interest rates, and you can see that in the uh, manufacturing sector. We'll talk about that later in the show today, too. Uh, that slowed down considerably, and uh, uh, the service industries, uh, that part of the service industries that's associated with uh, uh, eating out and uh, uh, travel and vacations and things of this nature, <clears throat> is still going uh, strong. But uh, I review, I I look at that as a more of a uh, a reaction to the COVID situation where we were cooped up and now we're free as a bird and 
and uh, sooner or later we'll get our fill of that. That'll slow down, and uh, growth will uh, basically slow further into the first half before starting to improve in the second half of this year. And as inflation softens, the Federal Reserve will begin to cut the rates. As inflation falls, we expect that the real interest rates uh, will start to rise. And in response to the Federal and response, the Federal Reserve will start to cut rates more to uh, ease pressure on growth and employment. So the rate cuts combined with the falling inflation that'll set the stage for the recovery in the basically the second half of uh, of, uh, of this year. <clears throat> now, one thing we we did get from the uh, minutes the minutes of the the Federal Open Market Committee meeting of. Uh, December, uh, I think it was 12th and 13th, uh, the minutes indicate that the uh, uh, the FMOC participants brought, this is quote out of their, out of their uh, minutes, participants board broadly forecast slower growth in 2024 after 2023 turned in a stronger than expected performance. The minute said, quote, regarding the economic outlook, participants generally judged that in 2024, real GDP growth would cool and that rebalancing of the labor market would continue with the unemployment rate rising somewhat from its current level, unquote. The forecast also incorporated a downward revision to inflation estimates. Uh, from the current inflation data showing more progress towards the Fed's uh, 2% objectives than previously thought. Um, that refers to, uh, there, there's about four meetings a year that the uh, participants in the Federal Open Market Committee uh, sit down and they make guesses as to what the uh, interest rates are going to be in the in the future, and uh, what inflation is going to be, and what the growth of the economy is going to be, but uh, and that's called the dot plot, <clears throat> and uh, it's just uh, they just uh, uh, make their best guess. It's plotted, and uh, it's information to use however you want to use it. So. Uh, the other thing was that the the participants continued to note that core service prices are still increasing at an elevated pace relative to the objectives, even as the all item and the core inflation are showing some progress. So uh, the labor market uh, was deemed tight by the participants, but some noted that wage growth was slower, even with weaker uh, payroll growth. So what you see that the, what they're seeing is that the uh, uh, payroll, the raises are getting smaller. Uh, we'll talk about that when we talk about the employment situation. Uh, and even though the uh, the number of quits and things of this nature is going down. I also said, uh, they also said, quote, participants generally perceived a high degree of uncertainty surrounding the economic outlook uh, as a upside risk to both inflation and economic activity. Participants noted that the momentum of economic activity may be stronger and currently assessed, possibly on account of the continued balance sheet strength of many households. In other words, basically, the uh, the consumers are holding up better than expected, and both in terms of their uh, uh, ability to buy things and our, our willingness to spend things. So uh, that's been noted in the in the uh, and the, the committee meeting 
Andy, uh, FOMC's downside risk to the outlook from misjudging the impact of past rate hikes in which the effects of past policy tightenings might be larger than expected. In other words, they're referring there, they're referring to that lag that I was talking about before in terms of uh, they made moves in terms of increasing uh, the rates and the total impact of those moves isn't known yet, even though they stopped increasing several months ago. Um, They also referred to uh, the risk of marked weakening of household balance sheets, possibly negative spillover from lower growth in some foreign economies, geopolitical risk and lingering risks of further tightening in bank credit. Uh, So they just kind of have a potpourri of things that could possibly go wrong there. And the the thing that is uh, <clears throat> most illuminating is probably this last one. The minutes included a strong statement that the FOMC is quote resol- resolute in their commitment to being to bring inflation down to the committee's two percent objective. Uh, the assessment of the policy outlook was one of determination to bring inflation down over the next few years. This did not suggest plans. There's the punchline. Did not suggest plans for a rate reduction in the near term or that when rate reductions begin, they would be swift and or steep. So uh, they basically uh, mentioned it. But there was really no um, attempt to start to define it. We'll see that as as, uh, as they hold their meetings in this year. So uh, again, this was a mostly down week for global equities. The end of the year uh, was the end of the weekly winning streak in the U.S. Uh, the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones, the Standard & Poor, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Standard & Poor 500, and the NASDAQ Composite were all down for the week. Although they closed positive yesterday uh, after closing negative on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, the nine-week winning streak ended on the last trading day of 2023. Uh, and that was in the U.S. And in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was down for the week. The same was true for the European Union, with both Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both down for the first week in the new year. And in Asia, Japan's Nikkei uh, 225 was down for the week, while in China, both the Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's Hang Seng were both uh, down for the week. So on Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed uh, for the week at the Dow Jones, closed at 37,466.11, and that was down uh, 0.59% for the week. The standard in poor. 500 uh, closed at 4,697.24, and that was down 1.52% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 14,524.07, and that was down 3.25% uh, for the week. So, what we're seeing there is that. Uh, about the, uh, the first week of the year here. There's the, they refer to it as the January effect. What happens in January will continue through the, the rest of the uh, year. But 
this is only the first week in January. And uh, uh, basically, I think next week, we'll start to see some uh, earnings results uh, from the fourth quarter, and we'll get a better idea of uh, where we're at in terms of uh, profits and things of this nature. So uh, to me, it, it's one thing that, uh, you know, we're looking at the, the uh, big picture in terms of what's happening in the economy, both the job markets and the labor markets and the uh, manufacturing and the service industries. And that tells us, uh, gives us a feeling uh, for what is happening in this economy and whether it's uh, going in, you know, up or down or or sideways. Uh, most, but most important is that, uh, hey, this week we know that uh, inflation is coming down. Uh, we've known that for the last... Uh, Couple of months, uh, we've known that the uh, the Federal Reserve has stopped increasing their interest rates, and now we're uh, waiting for them to uh, start to talk about uh, decreasing those interest rates, and that's going to have a positive effect on uh, certainly the positive effect on the bond market. It'll also have a positive. I hope it'll have. A, uh, positive effect on the uh, stock market. Certainly, it will have a, a, a long-term positive effect on the stock market as the interest rates come down. We'll see a recovery. When the recovery uh, will start, uh, uh, you know, uh, probably uh, the middle of the uh, year. Uh, looks like the uh, the consensus time that. Uh, the different organizations are talking about uh, in the economy picking up again. So uh, the important thing is that we see the big picture uh, and we also have to have our own personal financial plan that speaks to what our goals are and how we're going to attain those goals. Those goals, uh, are they generally require money. Uh, we have to have a nest egg available, be it uh, buying a house or getting started and um, starting a family or getting married and and uh, retiring. All those things uh, are somewhat predictable. Uh, we do have an idea of when they'll happen. It might be that variability might be year or year or two. Uh, different, but uh, we have an idea of when those goals are going to happen. We have an idea of how much money we're going to need to achieve those goals, and we have to have a process by which we're saving our money and putting it uh, to work for us to uh, enable us to uh, use the miracle of compound interest uh, to grow that money into something substantial uh, over well, over a certain period of time, be it the, be it uh, how long before the kids go off to school, be it how uh, long before our retirement, be it uh, maybe we're just starting out and we've got uh, <clears throat> we got very little uh, visible asset, but we might have an education. And experience, and we, and we certainly have a uh, a long time span to be able to uh, gather that nest uh, egg. So, uh, the important thing is to define those goals, start to talk about a schedule, start to start to talk about uh, the money and the process by which uh, you're going to meet those particular goals in the future. So. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That number again is 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. You know, the the, uh, thing we talked about uh, in the start of the show was the employment. uh, And uh, yesterday, the U.S. Department of Labor released their uh, employment situation report for December. And that showed that the uh, uh, U.S. employment increased 216,000 uh, in December from 173,000 the previous month. And the unemployment uh, remained, uh, unemployment rate remained steady at 3.7%, which is tremendous because, uh, you know, that indicates that the the labor market is still in good shape. 3.7 is a low unemployment number. And the uh, labor force participation rate, uh, that kind of eased down to 62.5 from 62.8. But uh, that's not a really a big concern because uh, there's another number that zeroes in on uh, the 18 to 60, or 62, or something like that, and uh, uh, that's been pretty high. In other words, everybody that is that category uh, is is basically working. Uh, the, uh, the the uh, the official labor labor force participation is a little bit wider than those numbers. <clears throat> Now, the 216,000, that was above the expected uh, 164,000 that the uh, economists were predicting. And the increase in hiring and decrease in unemployment rate shows basically a stronger labor market. In addition, the total non-farm payroll uh, employment was revised uh, for October. Was revised to 105,000 from 150,000, and for November was revised to 173,000 from 199,000. So basically, uh, what we saw was that the unemployment gains in October and November were <clears throat> 71,000 less than previously reported. So. Uh, when you take a look at that number, two hundred and sixteen thousand, you got to feel that hey, that 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 number might be revised uh, down, you know, maybe to one hundred and ninety thousand or something, something like that. But basically, what we're seeing is that uh, if we take a look and at over the last several years, uh, in two thousand and twenty-one, uh, we added uh, six point seven million. Uh, people back to uh, work, and uh, the average increase was five hundred and sixty-two thousand uh, uh, gains per month. And then in two thousand and twenty-two, we had a four point eight million people 
and the average gains per month was around 400,000 uh, payroll gain. And then in 2023, it just ended uh, 2.7 million workers were added to the payroll. So uh, the economy is picking up. Uh, we're certainly past the COVID. And, uh, 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 you know, the, the uh, what we're seeing is that the gain in payrolls was broad-based. Uh, big leaders were healthcare, um, government, construction. Uh, the, if we take a look at pre-COVID, the unemployment rate was uh, pre-COVID would be, let's say, January of 2020. The unemployment rate was three and a half percent, and there were 5.7 million uh, people unemployed. Uh, and uh, now it's 3.7%, the unemployment rate, and we have 6.3 billion people unemployed. And according to the uh, Department of Labor, uh, the number of job openings uh, came down a little bit. It's presently, for, uh, I think it's for November, it was 8.8 million jobs were posted. Uh, and as far as the unemployment uh, uh, numbers were concerned, the initial jobless claims uh, for the week ending 1230 uh, last year was 202,000. And uh, there were approximately 1.8 million uh, people on continuing unemployment. Uh, so that, that amounts to that uh, steady 3.7% uh, unemployment rate for December. Now, if you take a look at the uh, raises in uh, uh, December, what you saw that uh, 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 employers increased wages in December uh, 15 cents uh, per hour and $34.27 per hour. And so the average uh, monthly pay increase was uh, 0.4 of a percent, uh, or that translates into about 4.1% for the year. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, prices have gone up in the last three years. Prices have gone up 20%. Uh, for just about, well, basically for that whole package of goods and services that we spend our money on each month. And uh, the raises have gone up about uh, uh, about uh, 11 or 12%. So uh, we are falling behind. The, the emphasis is going to get on, on uh, get the uh, inflation down to that 2% number so that we can play catch-up where the raises are higher than inflation. So in the big picture, the the uh, the <clears throat> manufacturing uh, only added uh, 6,000 jobs to a workforce of approximately 13 million. Construction added 17,000 jobs to a workforce of 8 billion. And mining added, uh, and mining lost a thousand jobs in a workforce of 641,000. And, uh, if we take a look at the, uh, the rest of the economy, uh, added 142,000 jobs, uh, to a workforce of 112 million workers. If I take a look at the government, uh, the government sector added 5,900 jobs in December and to a workforce of 22.7 million. And uh, that uh, uh, 7,000 were added to the uh, uh, federal government, 8,000 were added to the state government, and 37,000 were added to the uh, 
local government. So uh, the the government employment increased by 52,000 uh, in uh, December. Employment continues to trend up in the local government, let's say 37,000, the federal government 8,000. And uh, the government has been adding on average of about 56,000 jobs per month in 2023. That's more than double the average monthly gain of 23,000 in 2022. So in healthcare, uh, we added 38,000 jobs, and most of those jobs were in the ambulatory healthcare, the doctor's offices and things of this nature. That added 19,000, and in hospitals, uh, they added 15,000. And uh, the job growth in healthcare averaged uh, 55,000 uh, per month in 2023. And in 2022, the average monthly gain was 46,000. Employment and social assistance uh, grew by 21,000 in December, and mostly in uh, individual and family services that added 17,000. And uh, the um, uh, social assistance employment rose an average of uh, 22,000 per month in 2023, and that was exceeded the 19,000 a month in 2022. Uh, construction employment uh, had 17,000 uh, jobs in uh, uh, 2000 in uh, December. Employment in uh, non-residential construction increased 8,000. So uh, employment in transportation and warehousing decreased by about 23,000 jobs in December, where couriers and messengers uh, lost 32,000 jobs and air transportation added 4,000 jobs. Uh, the uh, since reaching a peak in October of 2022, employment in transportation and warehousing has decreased by 100,000 jobs. Uh, leisure and hospitality uh, added 40,000 jobs in uh, December. Uh, the industry added about 39,000 jobs per month in 2023. And that was less than half the average gain of 88,000 jobs per month in 2022. So uh, retail trade employment changed little. It added 17,000 jobs over the month. The employment increased in warehouse clubs, super centers, and other general merchandise retailers by 14,000 and building material and garden equipment, and added 8,000 automotive parts and accessories, added 4,000. So uh, basically, uh, you know, they they break it out into, there must be at least 100 uh, jobs that they are classifications in terms of they get it right down to uh, transportation and warehousing. They get it right down to rail, water transportation, and truck transportation and transit, stuff like that. So there's a lot of information there. But the important thing in terms of investments is that uh, the labor market is still strong, still adding jobs. The major concern is uh, we're not in any danger of a recession, uh, and uh, basically you have to keep your eye on it because one of the things that the Federal Reserve is trying to do is basically slow down the uh, uh, slow down the economy uh, to get inflation under control, and it's been working so far. We've got inflation down from nine point one percent over a twelve month period in June of. Uh, 2022, we've got it down to about 
primary metals. We're seeing stronger demand for our from our American automotive original equipment manufacturer customers now that the United Auto Workers uh, strike has been resolved, looking at a very strong first quarter uh, for 2024. So basically what they're looking at is uh, manufacturing new orders. Uh, it's, uh, new orders are going down. Uh, production is growing from what it was before. Employment is contracting. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's talk about uh, new orders. Uh, new orders, uh, the, the executives indicated that uh, uh, 15% Thought the this month was better than last month. Twenty-seven percent said that this month was worse than last month. Production, fifteen percent said that this month was uh, better than last month. Twenty-three percent said it was worse. So what you're seeing there is that uh, uh, manufacturing is definitely slowing down. Uh, here's another group. Uh, the S&P Global uh, PMI, Purchasing Managers Index, and that's an alternate group to the, the Institute of Supply Management. And uh, they use, uh, the, again, the survey of executives, but they use a totally different uh, methodology. And what they say is U.S. manufacturing ended the year on a sour note According to S&P Global's PMI survey, output fell at the fastest rate in six months as the recent order book declined and intensified. Uh, manufacturing will therefore likely have, have acted as a drag on the economy in the fourth quarter. The slowdown is spreading to the labor market. Payrolls are cut for a third month running, an increased number of firms grew concerned about the development of excess operating capacity. The fourth quarter has consequently seen factories reduce employment at a pace not seen since 2009, uh, barring only the early pandemic lockdown months. With factories also cutting back sharply on their purchases of input in December, suppliers were also less busy on average, again, hinting at the development of spare capacity. So basically what you're seeing there is that uh, manufacturing is slowing down. But if we take a look at the Department of Commerce's uh, monthly full report on manufacturers' shipments, inventories, and orders, for November, this is not for December, this is for November, it shows that the orders for manufactured goods increased $14.9 billion, or 2.6%, to $592.9 billion in November, and the shipments of manufactured goods increased $2.7 billion in uh, November. Uh, that was an increase of five tenths of one percent to five hundred and eighty point seven billion dollars. So, uh, what you saw there that increase is primarily an increase in aircraft orders. Uh, there's there's a long lead time in aircraft, and you know for for the usual, let's say a seven thirty seven max. Uh, typically cost uh, the list price is approximately a hundred billion dollars. So uh, what the airlines try to do is group those orders, get the uh, best price, the most uh, uh, best negotiated uh, value. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. Uh, uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Welcome back. Over the holidays, we watched some old movies, and one I liked very much. It was called Secondhand Lions. It had a relevant message. The movie starred uh, Robert Duvall and Michael Caine as two hard-boiled, eccentric old codgers who lived in their ramshackled farm in Texas. The uncles were said by many to have a secret fortune and thus are the target of every traveling salesman in Texas. They, in turn, sit on their porch with shotguns, shooting at the salespeople to scare them away. In this mix, an introverted 14-year-old boy is left off by his mother. It was a whimsical story about a boy who finds a much-needed father figure in his two eccentric great-uncles. The film has comedy, adventure, mystery, wild animals, hidden treasures, an unpredictable script that a lot to like. This is a story about men who are sort of sort of used up. That's why they call it second-hand lives, if you will. Resigningly waiting to die, and this kid who really needs them, and how they save each other. The boy wants them to live carefully and die of old age. And one of my favorite speeches from that movie comes from Robert Duvall to the boy. He says, Sometimes the things that may or may not be true are the things that a man needs to believe in the most. One is that people are basically good, then that honor, courage, and virtue mean everything, that power and money and power and money mean nothing, that good always triumphs over evil. And I want you to remember this, that love, true love, never dies. And then he follows it up with, it doesn't matter if any of this is true or not. You see, a man can should believe in these things, because they are the things worth believing in. It, it just struck me. We have our own sense of honor. Even if you're in an immoral world, even if the people around you are cutting corners or cheating or screwing over their neighbors, you should have your own set of honor. It's easy for a kid to believe that people are no good, but you should act as if they are and you should believe that they are. Think about that. So until we meet again, or get rich slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.